Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, God, we're excited to be here on this journey. You're calling us to unleash a movement of passionate Christ followers. You've come into our life. You've changed us from the inside out. You've, you've, you've kind of rescued it from our past, given us a whole new future. We're excited about this freedom that you've called us into. And today, Lord, we know it's just kind of the next step in our journey with you. And so we pray that you would come by the power of your spirit and be our teacher now. We'd ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our story starts today, it's about, it's about two years after the resurrection of Jesus, and he, uh, he is a Christ hater. I mean, he hates Jesus. Um, he, uh, the movement of Jesus is spreading in, in Jerusalem. Now it's starting, to, it's starting to take off into other surrounding uh, kind of foreign cities, and he just hates it. Uh, he, he grew up in a university town about 500 miles north of Jerusalem, and, and when he was young, still he came. He studied under the one kind of leading props of Judaism of the day. Uh, it was a rabbi named Gamaliel, and, uh, and he's passionate about his relationship with God. Uh, he's passionate about Judaism, passionate about the Bible, but he hates this new movement. Uh, he cannot understand why anyone would buy into this, the, the very thought that a, a crucified man, who by definition is under the curse of God, could, could ever be thought to be the Messiah of Israel. He sees it as a, 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 a tremendously, it's a dangerous movement. And, and, and the more it grows, or the more the authorities try to stop it, the more it expands and grows, and the more convinced he is that he has to do everything he can to stop this, even if it requires violence. And so he volunteers for service to the religious authorities in, in Jerusalem. His first assignment, he's, he's to go door to door, kind of pulling people out of their house. He's looking for these Jesus followers. And, and his assignment is to pull them out. He, he will literally beat them to try to get them to curse the name of Jesus. He will, he will beat them. He'll steal them away from their, their families. He'll arrest them. He'll throw them in prison. Uh, he'll, he'll, when, he, when they come up for their, their sentencing, for their trial, he will vote against them. He will watch them executed. He would help kill them. And so it is that this particular day, he, he's 135 miles north of Jerusalem as the movement of Jesus is beginning to spread. He's like a spiritual bounty hunter that's been commissioned to go out and find Jesus' followers who are fleeing Jerusalem and to bring them back for trial. And so it's on this day, he's with his boys. He's under the authority, the religious authorities of Jerusalem. He's traveling to the ancient city of Damascus, one of the oldest cities in the world. He's approaching the city gates. It's about noon. And all of a sudden, it happens. Today we're, uh, we're continuing our series we started last week. For those of you who are brand new, it's a series that's called Freedom. It's a study of Paul's letter to a group of churches called the a group, it's in the Roman province of Galatia. So we call it the book of Galatians. And uh, if you were not here last week, let me, let me give you kind of a quick backstory. In fact, for all of us, just a quick review. Here's the situation. Uh, the Apostle Paul and his, his good friend, buddy Barnabas, had, had traveled north, and they, they had gone to this Roman province of Galatia that's modern-day Turkey, and they'd share the message and the movement of Jesus. And you know the message. The message is, the kind of message of Jesus in a nutshell is that it's possible to have a relationship of God, to be forgiven of everything in our past, to move into a brand new future. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our spiritual resume. It has nothing to do with our spiritual performance. It has everything to do with Jesus and who he is and his death on the cross in our place, right? And so they'd share that message, and people had come to Christ in, in droves, and, and, and new churches had been formed. Most of these were Gentiles. They had no Jewish background. 
And so they, they'd come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit come into their life, their lives had changed from the inside out, a whole new life. Miracles were happening, it's amazing. And then shortly after that, Paul and Barnabas have to go back to their home church, and so these false teachers come in, they're, they're Jewish teachers, and, and their message is basically, hey, it's good that you believe in Jesus, he is the Messiah, but, but it's really not enough just to trust in him for your salvation, that if you really want to have a relationship with God, if you truly want to be forgiven, if you want to grow, if you want to be saved, you need to do what God's people have always done. You need to follow the Old Testament, the Bible. You need to be circumcised like Abraham, the father of the Jewish race. You need to follow the laws of Moses. You need to do these, these rituals. It's like you, you just can't believe in Jesus. And, and their message is, hey, and by the way, the apostle Paul, he's not like a real apostle. Like That's what he calls himself. We know he calls himself that. But he wasn't with Jesus. He wasn't one of the 12 chosen to speak for Jesus. He doesn't have that authority. He didn't travel with them. He came to Jesus later. His authority is under the religious leaders, the apostles of Jerusalem. And now he's messing with the message. And so he doesn't really have any authority on his own, so you can't really trust him. And so what's at stake here is really their whole relationship with Jesus because if they buy into this new message that it's not through Jesus and his death that that we're saved, but it's through our own spiritual kind of activities, resume, performance, they're going to lose relationship with Jesus altogether. And so the Apostle Paul gets word of this and he's writing this, this message, he's writing this letter to kind of get them back on track. Now, in the passage that we go to today, Paul is going to attack this issue of apostleship. They're saying he's not a real apostle. He's going to say, I am a real apostle, and here's what happened to me. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 11. Galatians 1 and verse 11, um, he says, I want you to know, brothers, <coughs> that the gospel I preach, the message I preach, is, is not something that man made up. Now catch this, this is what these false teachers were saying. That, that Paul kind of, he's made up his own message. And he says, uh, neither, uh, he says, verse 12, I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. So they were claiming that he had learned it from the apostles in Jerusalem, and that he's now kind of made it up on his own. And he says, rather, I received it by what? Revelation of Jesus Christ. So what he's, what he's claiming is, I didn't make up this message, that Jesus appeared to me, and he, he gave me this message to share with you. Now, I realize that for some of us here, we, we have been Christians uh, since Jesus was here, uh, and that we kind of know the story of the Apostle Paul. But for a lot of us, we're brand new at this. And so I want to take just a couple minutes and give you the snapshot of his life. Uh, the Apostle Paul is the man whose story we started the day with. He, he didn't grow up in Jerusalem. He grew up in the, the town of Tarsus. It's a university city. Uh, in the Roman province of Cilicia, not that far from Galatia, by the way. And uh, when he was still young, he moved to Jerusalem, where he was trained by one of the top Jewish prophets of the day, a rabbi by the name of Gamaliel. So he's, he's passionate about the Bible. He's passionate about God. He's passionate about the Old Testament. And he, he's, he's part of the kind of one of the sects of Judaism that's the most conservative sect, it's the Pharisees. Remember, Jesus always dealt with the Pharisees. So very kind of legalistic, all these rules and so on. And so he's passionate about God. And so, uh, so when the movement of Jesus starts, he is incredulous that anyone could believe that a crucified man, the Old Testament said anyone who hangs on a tree is under God's curse. So he's incredulous that anyone could believe that a crucified man would be thought to be the Messiah of Israel. It's blasphemous. And yet the stupid movement keeps growing and expanding. 
And no matter what the authorities do, arresting people, beating people, it just keeps expanding. And he's getting madder and madder. And he finally decides, man, I I need to do whatever I can to stop this thing. This is going to ruin Judaism. And so he jumps in, he's commissioned, and he literally goes door to door in Jerusalem. Kind of like pictures this, I almost picture this like, say, like Nazis in Nazi Germany going door to door looking for Jews. You kind of picture that in your mind in Nazi Germany. He's going door to door, but he's looking for, for, for Christ's followers. And when he gets them, he, he's dragging them out, he's beating them, he's, he's trying to make them curse the name of Jesus, to blaspheme. And he's throwing him in prison, voting against him for the death. And yet this stupid movement keeps on growing. And so now it's going to foreign cities. And so the, the high priests and some of the religious leaders, they come to him and say, hey, would you take on this mission? Would you be our guy to go to these foreign cities and be like a spiritual bounty hunter and go and find these Christians that are running away from Jerusalem and like arrest them and bring them back? And so, so that's when our story opens today. He's 135 miles north of Jerusalem, approaching the ancient city walls of, of Damascus. He's got his guys with him, his, his kind of his bounty hunting, his kind of dog and his team, you know. He's got, he's got spiritual <laughs> bounty hunters. And he's looking for, he's going to go get, get him some Christians, you know. And, and all of a sudden, bam, the light, the light from heaven comes. And it's just like this bright light, brighter than the sun. And it just beams him and it knocks him down. It's going to blind him. But in that moment, as he sees the light, he can see someone there. He can see someone there. And he, it's like obviously God, right? It's like it's got to be God. And then he's just kind of confused. Well, it turns out it's Jesus, and that's a whole other story, and we'll talk about that more later. But the bottom line is that Jesus reveals himself to Paul and, and calls him to be a spokesman, to calls him to be like an apostle, like one of the 12 official spokesmen that Jesus called that the whole church of Jesus has been on to be a messenger. And so here in this passage, that's what he's talking about. He said, I didn't get my message from man. I didn't make it up. I didn't get it from the apostles. That I got it in verse 12 from revelation from Jesus. And we'll come back to that story later. And so he says, for you've heard of my, my previous way of life in Judaism, who I was before I came to Jesus. How intensely I persecuted the church of God. I tried to destroy it. I hated Christians. And he said in verse 14, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age. You know, he's kind of like a rising star. And I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth, in other words, chose me before I was born, and called me by his grace, notice that, we'll come back to that, when he was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult with any man. I didn't go to Jerusalem. I didn't go to the apostles. That's not how it happened. Verse 17, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before I was. But instead I went immediately into the the desert of Arabia, which is sort of to the east of Damascus and to the south. And then I later returned to Damascus. And then, verse 19, after three years, so three years after becoming a Christ follower, Uh, I went up to Jerusalem. So he he does go to Jerusalem, but it's not until he's been following Jesus and preaching for three years, okay? And and I went to get acquainted with Peter. Of course, Peter is the apostle, the head of the apostles in Jerusalem. And I stayed with him for how long? Okay, 15 days. So it's a short visit, just a couple weeks hanging out with Peter. And and he said, uh, I saw none of the other apostles. We don't know where they were, but they're out of town or something. And uh, I only saw James, the Lord's brother. Now, James is not the James of Peter, James, and John. It's James, the half-brother of Jesus, who later wrote the book of James in our New Testament. So he says, I, I didn't see them. 
And so he says, I assure you before God, it's like I'm taking the witness stand here, I'm taking an oath that, that what I'm saying, what I'm writing is no lie. So are you following this? So they, these false teachers, what they're saying is, Paul's not a real apostle, yeah, he's a Christ follower, but he, came to, he, he learned his message from the apostles in Jerusalem, and now he's kind of changed that message, he's messed it up, so you can't trust him. And Paul's like, that's not what happened. I met Jesus. He commissioned me an apostle. He gave me the message. I didn't even go to Jerusalem for three years. I've been preaching a lot by that point. When I went, I only saw two of the apostles, Peter and James. I was only there for two weeks. I didn't get my message from them. They weren't even there to commission me. I promise you, swear on the Bible, I'm telling the truth. Okay? That's, that's kind of the flow. And so then he goes and tells, like, well, what happened next? You know, th- after that three-year mark, what happened next? Well, he says, uh, well, then uh, later on, I went to Syria and Cilicia. These are two northern provinces, kind of north of the area of Jerusalem. Uh, Syria is where the church of Antioch was, where we studied last week. Uh, uh, Cilicia is where his hometown, city of Tarsus is. So he went back to those areas to, to share the message of Jesus. He says, but I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea. That's the region where Jerusalem is. So I didn't hang out there that are in Christ. They only heard the report that the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And, and they, uh, they praise God because of me. It's just like, man, if, Paul, if, they, if, if, if you can save uh, Paul, remember his name before, it was Saul of Tarsus. If, you can, God, if God can save Saul of Tarsus, he's like, like Hitler's right-hand guy, uh, you can save anyone. You know, that's that kind of thing. So, so that's the, the passage, and, and so it's an issue about apostleship and, and his claim to apostleship. We get to learn a little bit about Paul, a little bit about what happened to him after he came to Jesus. But, but in there, there's some important lessons for us as Christ followers today, and there's three specific lessons that I want us to focus on. So there on your note sheet, you have a section called the Apostle's Story, Three Life Lessons, right? So let's jump in. <coughs> Now, this first one, you're going to have to hang with me for a little bit, all right? Because I'm going to say it, and you're going to go, so what? And, uh, and then we're going to do a little Bible study, and you're going to be like, so what? And then we're going to hit the money, right? Then we're, then we're going to get to pay dirt, and you're going to go, okay, I get it, right? So trust me, uh, this is important. Number one, uh, the first principle is this whole issue of apostleship, it's really important. Okay, apostleship is, is important. Now, obviously, it, we, we get it, right? We understand why it was important to them. The apostle Paul comes into town. Here's how you have a relationship with God. He's telling you the way to God. You buy in, and now these false teachers are coming. Though that's not the way to God. Here's the way to God. It's like you want to know, right, what's the truth. And so this issue of is he a real apostle or not, it's important. We get it for them. But here we are in the 21st century. It's like, but like, why do we care? Like, why is it important for us? And here's what I'd su- suggest, that this issue of apostleship is absolutely critical for us as Christ followers today because it goes to the issue of spiritual authority in our lives. It goes to the issue of why do we believe what we believe, how are we supposed to live, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? So I, I want to jump in, and I want to talk a little bit more about Paul's story. All right, so we looked at some of it. Paul claims he met Jesus. There's three times in the book of Acts, uh, Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26, where the Apostle Paul tells his story. Each one's a little bit different, kind of fills in some more of the details. One of my favorites is in Acts 26, and, and he's, 
Paul is on trial. He's standing for a king named Agrippa. <clears throat> and he's sharing part of his story. And, and so let's, let's kind of look at it. It's there in your note sheet. <clears throat> he says that, then I asked. So he's been knocked, he's been knocked to the ground. He's, he's looking at the light. And he, he's telling Agrippa. So next, what, here's what happened. Uh, so I asked the question, who are you, Lord? So he kind of knows it's God, but it's all confusing. He sees this person, can't make him out. And, and he says, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, that had to be like the low point of his life, but we'll, we'll come back to this later, all right? And so he says, now, now get up and stand on your feet because I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen to me. So he, he says, uh, I, I've got a job for you. You're going to be a witness of the resurrection. So he says, I'm, giving, I'm showing you I'm the resurrected Jesus. I am alive. The stories are true. And you've seen me, and so you're going to be a witness of what you've seen, like just like an apostle. See, one, one of the criteria for being an apostle is you've seen the resurrected Jesus. And so he's now seen him. And, and then he goes on, and he says, um, and uh, you'll be a, a witness of what you've seen of me and what I will what? Show you. In other words, in the future, I'm going to be revealing spiritual truth to you to pass on to my people. That's kind of the, what an apostle is all about. And he said, I'll rescue you from your own people and from the, and from the gen, your own people being the Jews and from the Gentiles, I'll protect you. And I'm sending you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive what? Forgiveness of sins and, uh, and a place among those who are sanctified or made right by what? By faith in me. So at the very first time Jesus meets Paul, I've chosen you to be my servant. Uh, I want you to be a witness that I'm alive, I'm well. And, and I want to show you this message of how to be right with God, forgiveness of sins. And it comes by what? By faith, right? Not by our performance, not by our resume, not by our achievement, by faith in what Jesus has done. So the very first time Jesus meets Paul, he, uh, he, he uh, says, here's your commission to be an apostle. This is what Paul means when he says, I'm an apostle. I'm like one of the 12, like Jesus personally commissioned. This is what he's claiming. Now, you see this throughout the New Testament. Like, look at Galatians and chapter 1, just flip back to, well, we, I guess we're in chapter 1. Look at 1.1. One, one. Galatians 1.1, one, one. he says, Paul and what? An apostle. And that's how he starts his letters. See, Paul is making the claim that he is on the same footing as the 12 apostles. Remember what happened when Jesus started his ministry. He chose 12 men. One later defected, and they replaced him, right, Judas? But he chose 12 men to be with him and to learn from him so that they could one day represent his teaching and be the leaders of his movement. And the church of Jesus would be built on the foundation, in Ephesians 2, it says, of the apostles and prophets, you see? And so Jesus chose these men to be witnesses of the resurrection so they'd be the leaders. And so you think in like in Acts chapter 2, on the first day the church starts, uh, in Acts 2.42, it says the new church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Remember that? And so the whole church of Jesus, the movement, is, is built on the apostles, that, that Jesus has chosen these men to share his truth, to, to build the church, then that's why we are what we are. That's what our New Testament is, right? It's the apostles' teaching. And so Paul is making this, this huge claim that he is one of those guys. Now, are you with me 
uh, you think you might have a few doubts about that. If you're the early church, he's been beating Christians, right? He's been beating and killing Christians. And now he says, like, hey, I'm one of the 12. Like, I'm one of, you're like, really? But this is his claim. I met Jesus. He commissioned me. This is my story. This is my message. And so this becomes an important claim throughout the New Testament. In fact, we're going to do a little Bible study here on this, all right? So take your Bibles, turn to the right to the book of Galatians. I mean, Ephesians. <laughs> hey. Okay. Someone else like to teach today. <laughs> uh, we'll move to, move to, uh, move to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to give you just a feel of this is how important this because I think often as Christ followers, we don't get this whole issue of spiritual authority. We don't get this issue of apostleship. We don't get this issue of, of that Jesus has spoken through his apostles and that lays the foundation for our lives. So in chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, Paul's in prison and he says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, he says, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Here's what he's going to say. God has a message for the human race. It is a message of grace. And, and this word administration is the Greek word stewardship. Like, like God has a, is managing his grace for the human race. And, and so he's going to give different of his apostles kind of different insights to deliver that for his people, for us. And, and Paul says, you'll understand my understanding of this mystery of Jesus uh, through, through what God has done in my life. Verse 3, that is this mystery made known to me by what? By revelation. Remember what, what, what Jesus said to Paul when he first met him, I'm, of what I show you. And so he says, uh, Paul says, God has revealed certain things about how our relationship got with God works, as I've already written before briefly. Verse uh, 4, in reading this, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not known to men in other generations, as, as it's now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy what? Apostles and prophets. So you see this? God's on the move. With the movement of Jesus, with the coming of Jesus, God is beginning to release some new truth to the human race. And he's releasing it through his apostles, and the Apostle Paul was one of these, you see. And if you skip to verse 7, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's what? Grace. So God graced him. Uh, given me through the working of his power. And although I'm, the, the, the least, I'm less than the least of all God's people, we'll talk about that more later, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So here's the claim. I'm an apostle. Jesus has revealed himself to me. He's shown me certain spiritual truth. It's my job to share it with you. It's part of God's plan for the human race. That's the claim. Big claim, isn't it? Uh, turn with me to the right a couple books to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Just one more passage. Colossians chapter 1, we'll start at verse 25. Paul says, I become its servant, <laughs> talking about the servant of the church, I become its servant by the what? The commission, okay? By the commission that God gave me to present to you the what? The, catch this, 
God gave me a commission to present to you the words of Paul. <laughs> no, the words of God. See what he's claiming? In its what? In its fullness. He says, this is, this is God's calling on my life to reveal who Jesus is, what it means to be a Christ follower. It's my job to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And he explains that in verse 28. We proclaim him, we admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone, what? Perfect in Christ. That's my job, he says, as, a, as, as an apostle, to share with you the word of God that he's given to me so that you can grow up and become everything you're meant to be, a full-on follower of Jesus, okay? So, so this is the claim. Now, in the early church, here's what I want you to catch. The early church had to decide whether Paul was the real deal or not. He's got this incredible claim. The early church has to discern this. And, and, and there's some who didn't buy it, like the false teachers at Galatia. Oh, no, he's not a real apostle. But the early church discerned that it was the truth, that Jesus had revealed himself. We see that three years after he becomes a Christ follower, he goes to Jerusalem. Who's he hang out with? Peter and James, right? They hang out for two weeks. They become convinced, is this guy is the real deal. Jesus has a deal. Next week, we'll see more of that story. But at the end of his life, the Apostle Peter will write about the Apostle Paul, and I want you to see what he says. There in your note sheet, I put a passage from 2 Peter chapter 3. At the end of Peter's life, this is right before he dies, he's talking to the, the, the Christians about the second coming of Jesus and why it's taking so long. And he says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience, see on your note sheet, bear in mind the Lord's patience, means salvation. In other words, the reason he's, he's taking his time is he's waiting to save more people. Just as our, what? Our dear brother Paul. Catch that. To the apostle Peter, that in the early church, Paul was known as our dear brother. They'd, they'd come to understand who he was. And he also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. And he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking of them, these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. <laughs> Can we say amen to that? It's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like Romans, which ignorant and unstable people, stupid people, uh, they distort, like these, these, these false teachers in Galatia, they're distorting his teaching. As they do what? The other what? Scriptures. You see what, what the apostle Peter is saying at the end of his life? He's comparing the, the letters of the apostle Paul, he says, like they do the other scriptures. He's saying the, the, the writings of the Apostle Paul, they are the Word of God, like the Old Testament, like the Scriptures, you see? And so the early church, they come to this understanding, the Apostle Paul did see Jesus, he's telling the truth, he is commissioned, he is one of the spokesmen for Jesus, he is like one of the twelve, he speaks with the authority of Jesus, all right? Okay, now, that is all leading up to what I'm about to say, all right? That is all background. So here's the, here's the issue. Uh, you're a Christ follower. Some of you aren't. You're, you're on your way. But you're a Christ follower, right? The, the church of Galatia, they had to answer this question, who is Paul? Is he an apostle? Or he is kind of a spiritual guru that gets some things right and some things wrong? They had to decide that. Can I tell you something? If you're a Christ follower... You need to decide that too. 
Who is the Apostle Paul to you? Is he an apostle or he is a wise man and a spiritual guru? Because if he's an apostle, that means when he speaks, you will receive his teaching as the word of God that's been given to help you grow to to perfection, to make you be the person God called you to be. If he's like a spiritual guru, that means there's going to be times when you agree and times when you don't agree and you're going to pick and choose, right? Which means that you will never grow up spiritually. You'll never become. Let me, let, me, let me put it this way. We're going into the letter to Galatians, right? We're just getting started. In this letter, the Apostle Paul is going to say some things you absolutely love. Right? He's, he's going to talk about the grace of God. It doesn't matter where you're coming from or what you've done. There is a place at the table for you through Jesus Christ. And, and it doesn't matter where you've been or, or, or who you are or how far from God you are. That he, he is passionate about you. He loves you. He died for you. That you can start all over. And we're going to go, you go, boy. Right? Yeah, we love that story. We love this whole grace thing. Uh, he's going to talk in chapter 3 about when we come to Jesus, how God's spirit comes in, changes us from the inside out, and empowers us to follow Jesus to live a whole new life. And we're going to be going, oh, awesome. We love that. Chapter 5, he's going to say, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's kind of one rule for your life, that's love people. You just love people. That's the one thing for your life. And we're going to go, oh, awesome, that's great. Chapter 6, he's going to say, hey, as Christ's followers, you need to come along and, and kind of carry each other's burdens. When you're going through a hard time, you help each other out, and we're going to get fired up. We're going to go to our life groups that weekend. Yeah, give me a burden. You got a burden? I want a burden. I just, I'll take your burden, and we're going to be like fired up, right? And we're going to love that. But there's other times the Apostle Paul, he's going to come, he's going to mess with our lives. And we're not going to always like it. And there's going to be times like, remember like last week, Paul says, hey, there's only one way to know God. I know your culture teaches that there's a million ways and all paths lead the same place. That's really not the truth. And for some of us, we're like, ooh, I'm not sure I like that. Uh, We're going to get into uh, chapter 4. Uh, and he's going to talk about man-made religion and tradition and how religion is the enemy of Jesus. How, how religion is, is, is it's not about Jesus. Religion is about the dark side. And these traditions that we come up and we add to the whole Jesus thing, they're like a form of spiritual slavery. And for some of us, we're going to love that message, but you know what? For some of us in this room, it's going to make us very uncomfortable because our traditions mean a lot to us. We don't want anyone messing with our tradition. Yeah? We get to chapter 5. Paul's going to say, let me talk to you about what life looks like when you're being led by his spirit. And he's going to start messing with our lives. He's going to talk about, hey, sexual purity. And some of us are going to be like, hey, don't mess with my sex life. Like, don't mess with my sex life. I want to have sex with whoever I want, whenever I want. Don't mess with my sex life. And then then you think that's bad. In chapter 6, he's going to mess with our money. Right? In chapter 6, he's going to say, if you're a follower of Jesus, hey, you need, you need to be kind of helping fund the movement of Jesus in your local church community and so on, right? You, you see what, you know what I'm saying? So every one of us at a core level, we have to decide as we go through this letter, who is the apostle Paul to us? Is he an apostle or is he a guru? And is he bringing the word of God or is he just bringing his opinion? And the temptation is for us to agree with him when we like it and to disagree and not ignore it when we don't. And here's the thing. 
If you live your life like that as a Christ follower, you will never experience the freedom God has come to give you. Because it's the truth that sets us free. And when we reject it, it leads to bondage, right? So first question is, who's the Apostle Paul to you? Now, number two. The second kind of life principle that flows out of this passage is that according to the Apostle Paul, experience is essential. That that following Jesus is intended to be what I like to call a first-hand experiential relationship. In other words, following Jesus is more than believing a certain set of doctrines. It's more than a certain buying into a certain lifestyle. That, that following Jesus, is a, it, it flows out of a personal encounter with the living God. And it, it starts that way, and it's that way every step of our spiritual journey. And that this is what it means to follow Jesus. It, it's a lifetime of personal encounter, firsthand experience. And this is so true for the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, uh, he started, he, he's one of the greatest theologians in, in the history of the world. But if you study his theology, hear what you find about the Apostle Paul. His theology never just flows out of logic and Bible, as important as those are. His theology flows out of his firsthand experience with Jesus Christ. He's like, let me tell you who Jesus is. I've experienced him. Let me describe that for you. So are you with me that his theology is a description of spiritual reality? And the intention is not that you just kind of memorize the description. The intention is that you experience the reality that he's describing. Are you with me? It's kind of like a map. Like his theology is like a map. Here's how you get to where you want to go. The whole point of Jesus is not learning the map. The point is getting to the destination. And and so this starts for the Apostle Paul right here in this chapter. His journey with Jesus starts with this personal encounter with Jesus, doesn't it? It's not like studying some book or whatever. It's like personal encounter. And this is how we all start our personal. Like when you first came to Jesus, it was through personal encounter, wasn't it? It wasn't just through kind of just just logic or just Bible or just. There is an experience where God opens your eyes, and and you used to think Christians were stupid and crazy, and anyone who would believe the Bible was a moron. Right? Have we all been there? Amen. Yes, that's how it was for us. We were like, stupid. This is stupid. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. He opens our eyes, and we're hearing a message or reading the Bible, whatever. And it's like, it suddenly starts making sense, and our lives are changed. It's It's a personal experience. And we start there, right? Well, of course, but it doesn't end there. It's designed to be personal and experiential all through the journey. And so for the Apostle Paul, like, let me give you an example. If you turn over to Galatians 2.20, here he describes the Christian life in a nutshell. But, but I want you to catch how personal this is for him. He says in 2.20, He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, he could say, like he says in other passages, that when we are baptized, we're crucified with Christ. He could say that. But notice how personal this is for us. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now, catch this. This is one of the major teachings of the Apostle Paul, is that when a person 
a man or a woman gives their life to Jesus, we become spiritually connected with him. I, I call it going online with Jesus. Like, like we're, we, are, we are networked spiritually with him. And what that means is that the death of Jesus comes to me and the life of Jesus comes to me. The death of Jesus allows me to die to my old past. The life of Jesus raises me to a whole new life. Are you, are you with me in this? And the, so this famous phrase in the New Testament that we're in Christ, that's what he's talking about. We're in Christ. We're connected. We're networked, right? We're, we become a part of it. And so Paul says, that I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, Christ lives in me. In other words, this Christian life, it's not a set of just doctrine and a set of, of, of kind of lifestyle. This is, Jesus is living in me. He, he's alive in me, he's changing me, he's transforming me. And he goes on, and he says, this life I live in the body, I live by faith or trust in the Son of God who loved, who? Loved me, gave himself for me. Are, are you catching this? This is intensely personal. From the day he met Jesus on the road, it's like you, you loved me, you died for me, you live in me. And so when Paul is writing theology for us, it's flowing out of his personal experience with Jesus. Now, turn over with me to the right in your Bible, a couple of books, not sure how many, to Philippians. Oh, you know what? Forget it. Just look on your note sheet. Uh, well, you can use your own Bible if you want. It's like this time of the sermon, I know I'm running out of time. Let's put it in the, let's put it in the notes. Philippians 3. So in Philippians 3, if you've ever studied it, the first part of the chapter, Paul talks about what it, what it was like for him before he came to Jesus. He talks about how he was a rising star in Judaism and his future was bright and he was so proud of who he was and his relationship with God and he's got it together. And, and then he meets Jesus and he, he, what he says, you know, I lost everything. Man, I, I lost my place, I lost my prestige, I lost my position in the culture. Uh, I, I lost this rising star thing. He says, but you know what? I could care less because I got Jesus. And, uh, and he says, everything... Uh, uh, every, everything before that, everything I lost, it's like, it's kind of hard to say this in English and not get in trouble. Somebody say it in Greek. He says, everything I lost, it's, it's scubula. It's scubula. Now, if you were to look up in Greek, it would say trash or it would say dung. Right? I won't say how we might say that today. Everything... Before I came to Jesus, it was scubula. It's just scubula, man. It's just a pile of scubula. Are you with me here? He's like, I had all this stuff going for me. I was rising star. I was going to be high. I was going to be in the Jewish council. I was famous. I was powerful. I had things going for me. Man, I had my life working. And then Jesus came along. And I lost it all. And I'm so glad. It's a pile of scubula. Are you with me? And he said, and ever since that day, man, the passion of my life has been to know, to experience Jesus and his power. And, and there in your note sheet, here he, here he goes. First, he, he says, here, here's my life philosophy. I want to know Christ. Man. I want to know him, experience him. And I want to know the power of his resurrection, this new life that changes me from the inside out. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. 
Paul says, I realize, he's in prison when he writes this. He said, I realize sometime to rise to the new life, I've got to die to some old things. It's going to be painful. He says, but whatever the price, man, I, I'm willing to give it up. I'm willing to let it go because I, I just want to know Jesus. I want to be changed, but I want to experience his power, this new life. And then he says, hey, not that I've already obtained all this. You know, that I, like I'm perfect. I like, have it all together. I've not already obtained all this. I, I've not already been made perfect, but I, I keep pressing on. Like I'm running a race. I keep pressing on to take hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. He says, Jesus took hold of me on that road to Damascus. He's got a plan for my life. It's amazing. And I want to just keep pressing on because I, I don't want to sell myself short. Man, I don't want to miss what Jesus has for me. I want to press on. You see, and this becomes the philosophy of his life. And, and so for some of us here, we read this sort of thing and then we divide by 18. I go, okay, well, that's really cool, Paul, because that's really cool that you're passionate about Jesus because, like, you're an apostle, you know, but I'm just like Joe Christian. I'm going to divide by 18. If I just go to church, I'm good, right? But if you study the writings of the apostle Paul, what he says over and over again is, follow me as I follow Jesus. And, in fact, in this same passage in Philippians 3, three verses later, here's what he puts. Look on your note sheet. All of us who are what? Mature, growing up. All of us who are mature takes, should take such a view of things. He says this, this whole approach to following Jesus, this personal experiential approach, knowing him, running after him, pursuing him, experiencing power, it's not just for me, it's for everyone who wants to be mature. Now, if you want to stay a spiritual baby and run in diapers for 30 years, feel free not to follow this. But if you want to grow up, if you want to experience what what Christ died to gave you, if you want to get, take hold of that for which he took hold of you, he says, this, is, this is how you do it. This is how you approach it. And so here's the question I have for you. Here's what Paul is saying in his life. Experience is essential. That experience is part of core, what it means to be a Christ follower. Like if you are settling for anything less in your life, you are selling yourself short. And you see believers do this all the time. I grew up in a church we used to have, I know it's back in the dark ages, but we used to have like testimony nights. Some of you will remember that. I had a Sunday night service, you'd have a testimony. Anyone have a testimony? And someone would stand up and they'd tell the story of how 30 years ago they came to Jesus. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what's happened in the meantime? That's your story? That's the glory days? You want to take me back to the glory days 30 years ago when you were lost and Jesus found you and you came to him and, you were, and that's your story? It's like you're like walking around with a bottle in your mouth and your diaper's on. You're 30 years old spiritually and you're still to- telling me how you, the day you were born and how, what a cool delivery it was. And I was seven pounds, six ounces. You know? <laughs> And it was just awesome. And I came out, and my mom was there, and my dad was there, and it was just so cool. And it's like, that's your story of your life? Are you with me? You've been following Jesus 30 years. Like, what's happened since? You see, for the Apostle Paul, he met Jesus. That was the start of his story. It's not the end of his story. Man, he's, he's running hard after Jesus. He says, and if you're a Christ follower, this is what it means for you. So here's my question today. Are you selling yourself short? Jesus died so that you would be amazing. 
are you becoming amazing? Are you saying, well, honestly, Mike, I'm the same guy this year I was last year. Can I tell you something? If you are the same person as you were a year ago, something is dreadfully wrong. Because kids that don't grow are sick. Jesus didn't come to leave. He loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. And so he's coming after you. And so so here's my question. Hey, have you settled into a vanilla version of Christianity that's like don't do these things and do these things and believe these things, and now I'm one of them? Like if you are, let me tell you something, that is a pale version of what Jesus came to give you. Jesus came to radically change you, shape you, and turn you into an amazing person who's going to love God and love people and change this world. And that's why he came. And if it's not happening in you, something is wrong. You see, experience is essential. And so here's my question. Is that happening? Are you pursuing him? Are you experiencing his life-changing power? Are you growing in your love and your passion for him? Are you coming to know him in a personal way? Are you being transformed and changed? I say, is that happening? And if not, hey, why not? Why not have an honest conversation with Jesus? Says, I want in. I want it all. I want to. I want to reach everything that you reached for me. That you you chose me for. I want to experience it all. If there's anything in my life getting in the way, will you talk to me about that? I'm willing to follow. And number three, the the third principle is that grace is everything. Uh, So so apostleship is important. Experience is essential. Grace is everything. Um, For the apostle Paul in this passage, three things stand out to me. Not only is he... Not only is he an apostle, that's, a, that's point one, not only is, has he experienced Jesus in a firsthand way, and that's going to be the pattern for the rest of his life, but the third thing that, he, that jumps out of me in this passage is for the apostle Paul, grace is everything. And I want you to see this in verse 15 of Galatians 1. I know you're still in Philippians because I told you to go there when you shouldn't, but uh, Galatians 1, verse 15. But when God who set me apart from birth, in other words, he called me before I was even born, and he called me by his what? Grace. He called me by his, let's say it, his grace. Now, of course, when any of us come to Jesus, he calls us by his grace, right? That's the way it works. And so, but I, but I, I don't think we really get this fully with the Apostle Paul. You know, it's funny, when, when God raises up a spiritual leader, we tend to look at them in like present day lenses. We, we see them as they are today. We, we forget who they were before Jesus got a hold of them. And for the Apostle Paul, I mean, this is one of the, the dangers of being a longtime Christian, is we start getting blind to the obvious sometimes. We've first heard the story, it's just familiar. And, and so I want to take you back to the Apostle Paul, and I want to hopefully I'll look through new, new lenses, okay? So, so here's the Apostle Paul. He's going door to door in Jerusalem. His name is Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, he has a reputation as being a Jesus hater. He hates Christians. He hates the movement of Jesus. He will do whatever it takes to stop it. 
So he's going door to door, kind of conjure this up, kind of use your imagination. He's knocking on doors. His men are rushing in. They're, they're, they're taking a mom and a dad who are Christ followers. They're ripping them out. Their kids are crying over here, weeping, screaming, Mommy, Daddy. And, they're, and, the, and mom and dad are like, they're being pulled away and they're being beaten and, and they're being thrown into, to, you know, being tied up or whatever. And the kids are crying in the corner and they're taking them out and he takes them in and he puts them in an interrogation room. Are you a Jesus follower? Are you, uh, yes, I am. Whack, beat you. You know, are you a follower of Jesus? Whack. I want you to curse the name of Jesus. Whack. And so the beating's going on and the beating's going on and the blood is flowing and they're screaming in agony and they're screaming in pain and once they're, they're beat up they get thrown in jail and they're brought into court and once they're in court he's there I vote for their death and they take him out and they stone him with real stones the old fashioned way and they stone him and they're there and they're, they're dying in agony and pain and he is full of hatred and he is full of anger and he is so angry he's going to travel 135 miles to get him some more Christians and he is angry and he's self-righteous and he's like I am God's man and these people are disgusting and I hate these people and I can't believe that they do what they do and when I'm beating them I'm beating them in the name of the God of Israel this is what they deserve these heretics and he is feeling good about himself and good about his life and all of a sudden he's approaching the wall they can see it in the distance and light goes on and boom he's knocked to the ground and he sees someone someone there and he can't make him out and he's scared to death he knows it's the glory of God right because that's how God always shows up in the Old Testament. You got the glory of God with Moses, glory of God with Ezekiel, glory of God with Daniel. Like glory, it's like glory. It's God, it's God, but who is it? Who is that guy? I can't see that guy. And he's like, who are you? And the words come out, I am Jesus. Are you with me? If you're the Apostle Paul, you have just seen your life flash before your eyes. Right? You are dead. Lightning is about to come. Uh, you are fried, not just for time, but for eternity. You have just created, you have just committed the biggest mistake in the history of the world. You have been beating the followers of the Messiah. You have been killing Messiah people. The whole goal of your life is that you would live a righteous life so that when Messiah comes, you can follow him. And all your laws, and all your Bible, and all your training, and all your memorization, it's led you to a place you're killing Messiah people. Can you even begin to imagine the horror, the confusion? But I don't get this. How can you be Messiah? You were died on a cross. You're under a curse. I mean, everything's like flying through his mind and the horror of who he is and what he's done. And how could I be so wrong? And he is ready to get fried. And who does he meet? He meets Jesus. You know Jesus. Uh, the most gracious guy in the universe. Um, the Jesus of the Gospels. The Jesus that doesn't care who you are or what you've done. He just wants you to be made whole. He wa- he's come after you. In fact, he died for that to be possible. And, and so the Apostle Paul, he goes from the just absolute sheer terror to amazement that this, this God who he's beaten and killed, his followers, loves him. And forgives him and has a plan for his life. 
And Paul never gets over this. He never gets over the grace of Jesus. In fact, at the end of his life, he sees himself as a model. And there are your, your note sheet. He writes to a young man named Timothy who's a pastor, and he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who gave me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service as apostle. Even though I was once a what? A blasphemer. And I was a what? A persecutor. And a what? A violent man. We get that now, don't we? He says, but I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I was just stupid. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, like a waterfall. It's just like, I was there, I was toast, I was evil, I was the worst. And when I met Jesus, it's like this waterfall of grace just washed over my life and washed it all away. And then he says, along with a faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. We'll take it to the bank. Christ Jesus came in the world to save what? If you got your act together, then you don't need Jesus. Forget it. You can leave, right? You have got to be a sinner, a rebel, in order to need Jesus. And uh, he says, of whom I am the what? Worse, and he's not blowing smoke here. I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might show his unlimited patience. An example for those, he says, you know, you know why God chose me? Because I was the worst. I wanted to be like, God's like case study, neon lights around it. You think you're too far from God? You think you've screwed up too much? You think you've committed too much sin, too much rebellion? You think you're, you're, you're beyond being saved? You think that God can never use you? Great, here's my exhibit A. Mr. Screw-up. I'm going to have him lead the church and write Bible. So if I can turn him around, you're a piece of cake. You see? That's the idea. See, it's all about grace. Let's, let's pray. Hey, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to talk to those of you who, who uh, maybe you're here for the very first time, maybe you've come for a long time, but you've never really understood this message of Jesus that, that he died for you, he loves you, he's come after you, that in spite of your rebellion, in spite of your sin, started blowing him off, you deserve death, you deserve destruction, in spite of that, he just loves you, he's come after you, he's made a way through his cross for you to be forgiven, to come home and to give your life to him and to live a whole new life. And if you've if you've never given your life to Christ like that, you want to you want to leave your old life. You want to follow Him this new life. Uh, I want to give you a, a chance to do that today, and I'm going to pray a very simple prayer right now. If this expresses a desire of your heart, I ask you just to pray along in your mind, your brain. He will hear you, dear Jesus. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive all my rebellion against you. I ask you to send your spirit inside of me to change me. I I ask you to teach me how to follow you and to live a whole new life and to save a spot in the next life for me. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you just prayed that, I'd like you to do me a favor. In just a few minutes uh, later on in this service, we're going to be taking our offering and collecting our little connect cards inside your program. And if you just pray that, I'd love to know so I can be praying with you. If you just write on your card, Mike, I... I pray the prayer will know what you mean. This week I'll send you a letter to some practical steps of how you can begin this new journey with Christ. And 
and uh, we'll call you to talk about that decision. And, and if you're serious about following Jesus, the very first step is being baptized like you're going to see today. And so uh, we're going to give you a, a, a chance to talk about that and whether you want to be baptized. And so if you just do that. Lord, for the rest of us, we, we want to be passionate Christ followers. We want to be people that uh, are experiencing you in this firsthand way. For some of us here, we haven't. We've been playing church. We've been going through the motions, but we haven't been growing. We haven't been changing. And today we want to start. And so we ask you to hear our prayer and to lead us this week in how to do that. We pray this in your name. Amen. We are free. The Apostle Paul, we get to Galatians 5, will say it's for freedom that you've been set free. So don't let any man put you again to, under the yoke of slavery. Amen? Amen? It's for freedom that we've been set free. And, and God is doing an incredible work here. And just pray that we will continue to press into him as a congregation this week. You'll be running hard after him, having those conversations. What's the next step in your journey, right? Amen. And Lord, be with you this week. May his grace and peace be just full in your life as you experience Jesus at a deeper and deeper level as he transforms you from the inside out, as he leads and guides and uses you to change the world. Amen? Amen. God bless. See you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For lead pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Thank you.